Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, your host, and if you've arrived here, there must be a reason. I'm guessing you're curious to learn more about improving your wellbeing alongside ADHD, or maybe looking for some advice or guidance to feel healthier and calmer. So, why start this podcast? I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and I discovered my own ADHD alongside one of my daughters at the age of 40. And now, after supporting many other women just like me, and probably you, I feel there's a need for more emphasis on well-being and lifestyle help for women with ADHD. And through the podcast, I want to offer you new insights and perspectives to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and balanced life. So wherever you are on your ADHD journey, my aim is to support you in finding the awareness and the most aligned tools to enhance your well-being so you can make the most intentional mindset and lifestyle choices moving forwards. Ready to get started? Here's the episode. So welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I am Kate Moore Youssef. I'm your host. And today we are talking all about creativity. And I'm really excited to welcome my guest. And her name is Jude Schwepp. And she is a coach for creatives and performers. And she's also a writer, an actor, and a co-founder of the Actors Space in Brighton. And Jude is really passionate about the role creativity plays in supporting good mental health and well-being. So I think this conversation is going to be really interesting and insightful for, for many of you listening, including myself. So Jude, welcome to the podcast. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you so much, Kate. It's lovely to be here with you today. Tell me a little bit about what led you to being a coach for creatives, because in my eyes, that sounds like the most perfect job in the world. Yeah, it is. It is wonderful. <laughs> and also what you're pulling out of people, what you're teasing out of people must be so satisfying because so many of us don't relinquish to those inner nudges of creativity. And we feel like we should be doing the very practical jobs or the jobs that we have been conditioned to believe will bring us power, success, money. So let's let's backtrack a little bit. What was your background and what led you to, to this kind of coaching? So my background was I trained as an actor when I left university, was always performing. I mean, you know, from age four upwards, um, passionate about dance. Then when I went to school, I was very interested in acting, drama, singing, absolutely loved being on stage just loved that connection with an audience, that connection with characters and text. Um, so I would say it's always very much been a part of me and got a little bit sidetracked in university because I was quite academic as well. So there was there was a lot of pressure to use your brain, Jude. You've got a brain, you've got to use your brain. Um, and I kind of succumbed to that pressure for a little while. Went to university and studied history. So did a history degree, but spent a lot of my time in the theatre. So it was like kind of getting the best of both worlds. I got my education, but just absolutely loved the whole process of being in the theatre, bringing a story to life from scratch, working with lots of other creative people. And just it's kind of something it's like a it's a drug. You know, you get completely addicted to the buzz of being on stage and just creating and being with other creative people. So when I left university, I went to drama school, went to drama school in London. As you can hear, I'm not originally from the UK. And there was such a sense of coming home 
when I went to drama school, it was like, ah, here are my people. Here's the thing that I'm supposed to be doing. I spent a few years, maybe three or four years working as a very poorly paid actor, doing lots of waitressing, lots of working in bars and restaurants, as many actors do. And I reached a point in my life where I was, I was pretty burned out, I think. So just trying to juggle working in the evenings, auditioning during the day, and then swapping over, you know, when you're sort of doing a show in the evening and trying to do day shifts in your restaurant job. Um, Because acting just wasn't paying the bills for me. It wasn't kind of covering all my expenses. And I reached a point where I think I fell out of love with the relationship between me and acting became quite strained, shall we say. And I kind of, I was putting all this pressure on it to be the thing. It had to be the thing for me. I had to say that I was a professional actor. I had to say that it was paying my bills. So I decided just to take a little break. I said, I'm just going to get a proper job, going to get a nine to five for um, a year and see how things go. And long story short, a year turned into six years. Um, And I kind of fell into the world of marketing and advertising. And it just, it turned out that I was really good at it. I was working as a creative, I was working as a copywriter. So it was definitely ticking some creative boxes for me. But it wasn't what I wanted to do. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, the the passion wasn't there. The sort of the, the real drive, the real soul calling wasn't there for me. And I kind of came to a point in my life where I was like, something's just not right. It's just not ticking all the boxes. The money's great. Um, You know, I worked with some amazing people and I I had a lot of fun a lot of the time, but you can't ignore the calling. Like you can't ignore the soul calling. And so eventually I went back freelancing. I decided to get back into working in theatre just to give myself that opportunity to have more freedom to do different things. Freelancing was a great way to go. Set up my own theatre company, loved producing, loved the whole kind of process of being involved in a show from start to finish probably taking on too many things, but you know, that's classic creative spaghetti brain. And then I got pregnant with my first baby and then everything kind of changed again. It was like, oh my God, I've got this tiny little person that I have to be responsible for. So really what led me to to this kind of work, to creative coaching was I wanted to find something that would allow me to, I suppose, be with my people, you know, be with creative people have a decent, you know, have a decent way of earning money um, and still have that flexibility to indulge my own creative passions. And I think just over the years, seeing how painful it was for me to be out of alignment with my creativity and how much I missed it and how much my soul was just going, Jude, come on, a little bit of nurturing, a little bit of attention here. I just knew that I wanted to help people in that way. I wanted people to realize if you are a creative person, you've got to have creativity in your life. And even if you don't identify as a creative per se, what it can give you, what it can bring to your life, how it can calm your soul, how it can calm your mind is just so, so important. And I think even more so now, you know, we're coming out of this incredibly difficult period. I just see it in everybody. I see it in my husband, in my sons, in myself, just giving yourself that little time, you know, in the evening to sit down and and do some painting or, you know, my husband paints his little, his little figures and my boys are like writing stories. And it's just, you see the calm that kind of descends. And so I just find, I just find it so incredibly rewarding when I see people reconnect to that side of themselves. 
that may have been, they may have been away from themselves for years, for decades, because life took them in a different direction. So the spark that is reignited when people find that in themselves again and rediscover things that they loved and may have been buried is just so rewarding. So very long, very long version of the story to how to how I got here. No, and that is, you know, first of all, I can 100% resonate with this. And I know that, you know, when I speak to a lot of my clients, they are in that kind of space of feeling like they're out of alignment, like what you mentioned, that they're not quite sure what's missing, what they need to reach for. Maybe they don't even know it's the creativity that's lacking because they've not kind of been aware they've not reflected maybe they were creative when they were younger and then it just got knocked out of them slowly as you know as we get older and we have to do all the adult things that we've got to do especially when we have kids I mean I've told this story before about my own kind of creative reawakening is what I'd call it It is when I had had just had my fourth child and I had gone working for years in PR And I was definitely exhausted, overwhelmed. I had four young children. I didn't feel like I had a minute to myself at all. And I basically, classic ADHD came up with an idea in the middle of the night. And that was to um, create succulent arrangements out of vintage pots. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Amazing. So I'd always had an interest in, I love plants and gardening and anything like that, but I'd never really done it, done it. You know, it hadn't really got my hands dirty. And then I have always loved vintage stuff, you know, having a little mooch around a thrift shop or a charity store. It's always been like, you know, my favorite kind of like calming place where I can uncover some like 1970s pottery. And that's just makes me very happy. So I basically decided that's what I was going to do. I had my youngest was one, maybe 14 months old. And I took the lounge that we'd ever used in the back of the house and I converted it into like my little potting shed. And that's when I went on like hunts all around where I lived in these, you know, these little charity shops, bought out loads of amazing jugs, vases, bowls, cups, teapots, whatever that was found myself a succulent supplier, two amazing people that just lived near me and wanted to get involved. And that was the beginning of my creative journey. And what it did to my soul, what it filled up, I didn't even know needed filling up. Yeah. And I just, yeah. And I just went off in the evening while my kids were asleep and I just listened to books and podcasts, music, and I had a glass of wine and it was I actually think it saved me from spiraling in in definitely some form of mental health problem because I could feel it. I could feel this overwhelm, this anxiety bubbling up. And so it definitely saved me and it's led me to the path that I'm on now. It's not kind of what you'd expect to go from succulents to coaching, but what it gave me, it gave me a time to listen to books I wouldn't normally listen, you know, read because I was listening to them, podcasts that I probably wouldn't have had time to absorb and that's when I realized that I wanted to go into coaching and and helping people so it was kind of like a bit of a container like a bit of a buffer to see what else was going on deep down and I give this story in this example because it's not like I have always done that I just decided that I was going to give it a go and yes my first potting session looked like you know a four-year-old had done it 
but very quickly people really liked the imagination behind it. They loved having them as centerpieces. They were giving them to present for presents. The succulents were amazing because they were so easy to work with. So it's not like I had to kind of, oh, I used to paint, so I have to paint. And maybe I'm kind of telling this story because I want to invite people to maybe be a bit curious as to how they can channel their creativity for their mental health and their well-being. Because it looks so different, doesn't it? I mean, give me a little example of what you'd suggest that perhaps people wouldn't consider creative, but you consider creativity. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I always say to people, and it's something that you've just touched on here, go back to your childhood go back to the things that made you feel really happy when you were small. You know, when you're completely unfettered by the weight of expectation, the weight of should, the weight of, you know, just the things that we have to deal with as adults. And judgment. And and judgment, absolutely. And judgment. And just, you know, remember what it felt like to feel in flow. Like if you think about when we when we watch our children playing or being creative or doing, you know, doing things that they're just really, really engaged with. They're so involved, they're so focused, they're so calm, and there's just such a beautiful energy around them. And I think it's it's really helpful to connect with what did I love doing when I was small? How did I feel? How did this thing make me feel? And I had a really interesting conversation with a, with a wonderful man recently, and we were talking about that whole idea of reconnecting to his creativity, and he had, he'd gone through a really difficult couple of years personally, Um, And obviously then we were all in COVID and, you know, he was feeling that extra pressure of like having the kids at home. And I said to him, you know, painting, writing, music, making music, you know, dancing, you know, we kind of look at those things and they automatically fall into the creativity box. But what did you love doing when you were a kid? And he was like, I loved making Lego models. You know, I loved just getting the box of Lego out and just trying to recreate something from Star Wars or trying to recreate something from the shows that he'd enjoyed. So anything that is about, I think, taking you out of your thinking brain. So taking you out of the part of your brain that's always trying to solve problems, always sort of thinking, what's next? What's on my to-do list? What do I have to do? And anything that just allows you to settle down into that very calm, very focused, but in a focused in a relaxed way kind of space and that just allows you to listen to the whispers of your soul you know your soul will tell you and this is this is the beautiful thing about creativity it's the connection between your heart and your soul and your head and so I love what you say about following your curiosity Um, and it's something that one of my absolute heroes Liz Gilbert talks about a lot you know she talks about just follow your curiosity follow the breadcrumbs follow the nudges And creativity is anything that allows you to tune into your intuition, to listen to your soul, to listen to the whispers, and to bring all of yourself to something. So whether it's putting little, you know, succulents into a teapot, or or whether it's creating Lego models, or whether it's gardening. Gardening is creativity. It's essentially making something that wasn't there before or bringing something into being that wasn't there before. And so I would say, don't box yourself in or don't limit yourself by thinking, well, I'm not creative because I'm not very good at painting or I was never good at drawing. Those are just one kind of element in the whole creativity box. So follow what feels good, what yeah. feels good and what um, 
What makes your body go, ah, breathe out, exhale. You know, this just feels really, really relaxing. I feel really engaged and I feel really excited about what's unfolding. You know, and I think that's one of the, the beautiful things about creativity is something brand new is unfolding here, something that didn't exist before. So just explore. That's what I always say to people, just explore and try loads of different things and you'll get something from every experience. And there's no rules. You know, that's the beautiful thing. There are no rules about creativity. I love all of that. But first of all, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. I would highly recommend anyone to read that. Oh, it's that. the Bible. It's the Bible case. <laughs> and I've read that a few times, actually. And each time I've read that book, I get something different from it. And it just basically talks to you about removing perfection and that nothing's ever going to be perfect. And there's going to be lots of like, I don't think she says this, but it's sort of like shitty first drafts of just, just trying and just going. But as adults... It's almost against our nature, isn't it? We're so scared to put ourselves out there because it either has to be perfect or we're going to get judged or what will people think that we're like taking on and doing something creative. But actually what you're saying when you're saying feeding your soul, listening to those nudges, it's such a direct correlation to our mental health because we are, if we're suppressing that's how depression comes in. You know, if you think about those two words, they're so similar and we're holding back and we're not letting our true authentic selves come out, then we're living like a shell of ourselves. And, you know, coming back to sort of like an ADHD perspective is that very often many of us are creative. And that's, you know, that is one of our strengths is that we, we, we're curious, we're creative, we're innovators, we like trying new things. But if we, if that's been knocked out of us, perhaps if we've had a late diagnosis in life and we have had, you know, family members, you know, partners, teachers, people of that kind of like knocked out that kind of side of us that yeah. is a bit quirky and a bit creative because we've been told that we've got to conform and we've got to do things that other people are doing, then it can feel really scary. And for example, you know, I just mentioned before, when before we started recording, I had an amazing client yesterday who had gone down the route of getting a secure job, had children, realised that she had to work in this part-time job because it worked well for school hours and it paid well and the logistics were correct. All the adult things, you know, she was ticking all the boxes, but her soul was screaming out for more. Oh, and as she so relate. <laughs> yeah. And as she was getting older and older and her kids were getting older and they, she wasn't needed as much, she was still in this job. And she, I think she's got to this point now where like her soul's now screaming at her and it's too difficult to, you know, to dismiss. So we had a great session yesterday where we worked on, you know, what would you do if you couldn't fail? What would you do if no one judged you? What would you do if money and logistics and practicalities weren't involved? And, you know, straight away she told me it was there. It was just ready for her to, to come out. And, and, and she knew. She knew exactly what she wanted to do. She knew exactly how she wanted to help some people. But as adults, we have a lot of fear. So how do you work with people who know what they want to do? And they're, they're scared to admit it. They're scared to even talk about it because the fear is so overwhelming for them you know especially if you know if, if you've got a good job or you, you're financially secure and you're about to do something absolutely terrifying 
where how do we start kind of you know moving forwards towards this kind of creativity Mm. well I am such a believer in the power of the humble step so I think you might have an idea for a big vision but breaking it down into the humblest humblest step and where do you start because I mean for many of us taking that leap is just not possible it's just not possible from going you know I have this fantastic job it pays well all my bills are covered. I've got two holidays a year. But actually, what I really want to do is go and make documentary films, you know, and the brain will actually prevent us from making that huge leap until we have broken it down into a really, really solid route map. And it starts with something that's completely achievable. So I would say if you have, you know, a a sort of a big idea and a big vision, and you know, as your client said, she knew straight away, she knew straight away what she wanted to do. And I believe that when we give ourselves that permission, or somebody like you asks us, and just says, what is it that you want? What is it that you want to do? What is it that your soul is calling for? Your soul knows straight away, straight away, because it's been there. It's been there for such a long time. And finally, it's like, oh, somebody's paid attention. Somebody's paying attention to me. And now I get to say what I really, really want to do. So tune into it, sit with it for a while, you know, sit with it for a couple of weeks and just get really curious about it. Again, coming back to this sense of curiosity, ask yourself why it's important. Like, Why does this matter to me? Why do I have something that I really want to say? Why do I have something that I really want to create? And get really, really crystal clear on what that thing is and then just work backwards. And I think, you know, that will calm the nervous system that will sort of reassure the sabotaging voices that come in and give you 55 reasons why you can't do this thing. So I always get clients to just work it right, right back to the beginning. And you just take the first step and you take the first step that feels like, yeah, I can do this. This will fit in with work. This will fit in around the kids. This feels like something that will get me started. And that starts to get the momentum going and that starts to build the resonance and build the energy. And then you just keep, you know, you just keep taking the next step. So I always say to clients, just keep asking yourself, what's the next humble step that I can take? And that comes from the whole idea of humble step comes from this wonderful quote by Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist's Way. And she says that, you know, everything that we want is on the other side of fear and take action to get to the beyond fear. And the way to take action is to make the step humble enough and small enough that we are willing to take it. So it's it's kind of breaking down that resistance. It's overcoming that fear. And also, again, to go back to Liz Gilbert, I quote her all the time. It's, re- it's kind of disconnecting yourself from the need for it to be something significant. You know, disconnect yourself from the outcome and just really, really connect to the process and what it's giving you and what you're learning about yourself and what you're experiencing. that That's creativity and that is the gift of creativity is in the process. So, uh, you know, obviously it would be amazing if your book got published. It would be amazing if you got into the studio and recorded an album or if your, you know, your succulent business took off and all of a sudden that's bringing in loads of money. But it's not the thing. And when you when you kind of put pressure on the creativity to be the thing, that's when doubts start to creep in. You sort of block the creative flow and you sort of, you scupper the creative process. 
so it's it's always just about first humble step allowing things to unfold following the breadcrumbs trusting your intuition and and staying tuned to those whispers because they'll never lead you astray they'll never lead you astray So you may have heard me talk about my daily ritual of taking supplements on the podcast. Long before I was diagnosed with ADHD, I recognised gaps where I needed some extra support and tried to find supplements to help myself. This has ranged from gut health, sleep, concentration and seeking more calm, especially for my nervous system. I've tried all sorts, often taking up to 10 different supplements throughout the day. And my bedside drawer and kitchen cabinet both resemble some form of disorganised apothecary. And often I'm actually not even sure when I should be taking and what I should be taking. I'm so glad that I've recently come across a new brand of supplement that I've been taking religiously for the past month. I first came across Nubria in my local health food store. I emailed them immediately and very coincidentally, they are based only a few miles from me in Manchester. There are several reasons why I love the brand, but the biggest one is because they've done all the hard work for us. Currently, I'm taking one called The Edge to help with my focus when I work. This blend aims to improve concentration and optimize mental performance. I'm also taking Shine, which is the mood blend, and this helps to maintain emotional balance, positive mood, and promote better psychological function. I especially love this one as it combines amazing botanicals such as ashwagandha, saffron and turmeric with magnesium, lots of vitamin Bs and cytocholine sodium, which supplies our brain with the energy to stay sharp. And lastly, and most importantly for me, I'm taking the sleep option called Drift. The more I learn about ADHD, the more I see how interconnected sleep is. And unfortunately, many of us, often including myself, aren't getting enough or a good quality night's sleep. Since taking Nubria's sleep formula, I've noticed myself sleeping for longer. And if I do wake in the night, I fall back to sleep quickly and wake feeling more refreshed in the morning. I'm so impressed with this formula. I don't think I'll go back to my standard magnesium that I've been taking historically for years. Nubria's Drift contains a unique blend of folic acid, vitamin D, magnesium, L-tryptophan, as well as other sleep-enhancing ingredients. I want to share all this love I have for the brand and offer you exclusive discount code for you, my podcast listeners. I say this time and time again, I will not promote or recommend anything I don't believe works. So to get your discount, which they have offered very kindly 20%, head to nubria.com and that is N-E-U-B-R-I-A.com and enter in Kate20 for 20% discount. And there's also another offer which you can get three for two on the website. So you can't get the discount on that, but there is a three for two offer if you head to nubria.com. I'll put all the details in the show notes and good luck because I think they're wonderful supplements. We spend our whole life in this autopilot rushing, especially, you know, again, I go back to like my ADHD listeners of, of, just feeling like we're never quite doing enough. They've always got more to achieve. And this just being, I'd say our nervous systems always just feeling on like high drive. And and so we don't feel relaxed. We feel quite restless. And we are, there's a quite a lot of negative self-talk as to like, why haven't you been more productive? Why haven't you been more productive? So that holds us back from leaning into that creativity because creativity may not look productive. It may feed something deep within us that is going to have long-term effects. But if we've got um, 
just say school uniforms to buy and shopping to do and cooking and um you know work work things that we need to you know do but actually what would really benefit us at that time is to go outside and do some gardening it's really hard to put that on the top of the priority list but I would say, I mean, I, I don't know, but I would say that just being mindful of it and being aware that we have got access to that as a way to calm our nervous system, which to me is like probably should be at the top of my, you know, my priority list. Because if I'm calm and balanced and feeling kind of, I would say, just relaxed, then everything else flows but so many of us don't prioritize this type of thing in life, do we? Absolutely, because it feels like it feels like an indulgence in a way. Particularly, you know, if you are a busy parent and you've got kids and your and your life is kind of revolving around them. And you know, a few years ago, before COVID, I ran um, a group in Brighton, and we had a lot of mums in the group. Um, a lot of them were at the stage now where their children were that little bit older. And they didn't need them as much. Of course, you, will, you know, as a mum, your kids always need you. But, you know, they were sort of at university, a little bit more independent. And mums, you know, the mums in the group had finally gone, I now have time for me. I now have time for me. I now have time to sort of look at what it is that I want to do. And just to sort of go back to that idea of, you know, that being part of your, of your self-care regime, your self-care routine, I mean, being creative is so, so similar to being, you know, in a meditative state, you know, because you're activating that part of your brain, the sort of the, the alpha brain waves, where it's restful, it's calm, you're alert, you're focused, but you're, you know, completely devoid of stress <laughs> for that half an hour, that hour that you give yourself. And, you know, just as an example, um, I have always been a writer, I've always been a performer, I've always absolutely loved the visual arts, but I've never considered myself an artist. I was never very good at art at school. But I was like, I'm 45 now, it was my birthday yesterday, I'm 45, I don't care if I'm not a very good artist, I just really want to get some paints out, get some paper and just doodle and just play with colour because colour is a really big theme in my life. I love big, bold, colourful things, whatever they are. So my lovely husband bought me some acrylic inks and acrylic paints, um, some canvas and some watercolour paper. And my little boy's away on a school trip. So I went up into his bedroom where it was nice and quiet and cleared his desk. And I just sat and painted for an hour. And I could literally feel my shoulders dropping, the stress kind of seeping out of my body. I wasn't thinking about anything. I wasn't thinking about the to-do list. I wasn't thinking about what I had to do tomorrow. I was just really, really engaged in this process of putting color onto a piece of paper and then choosing the next color and then doing little swirls and, you know, just kind of seeing this thing unfold before me. Um, so for me now, you know, I've sort of had my issues with depression, you know, on several occasions over the years. And it's always been when creativity has been missing from my life, always. I can trace it back. Um, you know, when I have focused on things that I thought were going to make me successful, or I thought that I should be doing, or I thought that was going to kind of, you know, keep me on this upward trajectory, whatever that is, I don't even know what I was <laughs> aiming for. Um, but you do get caught up in this idea of what we're supposed to be doing as adults and what equals success. Um, and creativity completely fell by the wayside. 
And, you know, just when COVID hit, I knew that I was going to need something to sustain me through because already, um, you know, the sort of the homeschooling, I had a, I had a contract with a business that was just super, super crazy busy. You know, it was one of those businesses that went super off the charts when COVID hit. Um, and I just, I knew that I was going to need something to sustain me through this whole period, however long it was going to be. We didn't know it was going to be two years at that stage. So I, I got in touch with four of my best friends from drama school. And I said, girls, we don't know what the future holds. It's all just gone completely mental. Um, and we need each other. We need to do something that's going to give us some kind of anchor and grounding to sort of get through this. So we met every week on Zoom, the four of us, um, and we started working on creative projects. We're like, okay, now is the best possible time when so many of us are grounded, as it were, like literally grounded, we can't go anywhere. Um, and from that, you know, we have a, a, like a, a film script came from that. We have two TV shows that came from that. I started working on a play that I'd had, you know, an idea about for years. And there was something just so secure and safe and grounding and connecting and important, really, really important about having that meeting once a week, sharing what we had worked on and really just, you know, we're all creative people anyway, but just feeling like we were working on something really purposeful, but also just for the joy of doing it and mm -hmm. to give us a break from that, what was relentless at the time you know, COVID kind of news and chatter and onslaught and the numbers and, you know, all of the, all of that kind of chatter that we were just so overwhelmed by at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, so now, you know, I'm at the stage now where I recognize in my life, my creativity is a non-negotiable, an absolute non-negotiable. It has to be something that I do along with going for a walk every day, along with meditation, along with eating properly, and I start to see the signs when it's not there because it's like, I use this really strange analogy, but I often talk about when you're a scorpion, you sting, it's what you do. You've got to do it. When you're a creative person, you've got to do what you do. You know, it's, it's a part of who you are. It's your identity. It's a part of your makeup. And you will very quickly start to notice just how it feels like there's something missing. It feels like there's something huge missing um, in your mood, in your energy, in your relationships and how you parent. You know, when you are giving yourself that time to be with your creative self and, and to be with the magic of creativity, the inspiration, the energy, the, the literal magic that, it, that sits with you when you sit down to create something. You are giving yourself such a gift, but you are also giving the people in your life a gift and I believe the world, you know, by sharing what you do and by sharing what you have. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's just so powerful to hear you explain it like that, because I kind of like had this vision of of if you're not leaning into that creativity, you sort of like shriveling. You're like a, yeah, you are. Yeah. You just yeah. a shell of yourself. And, and the fact that you have that self-awareness of knowing when your mental health dips mm. is when your creativity takes a backseat. And the fact that you are just listing it alongside the other well-being pillars of really nourishing ourselves with good food and exercise and meditation is like creativity 
should just have an equal seat next to all of those things. And I actually look now, I kind of look at some of my friends who are creative and who are doing creative things. And I actually think they are probably, you know, the most stable mentally and kind of resilient as well. But I'm I'm thinking right now, actually, another way of me creating in my life is probably the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I get to speak to people like you who fill me up, who give me new insights. I'm learning. I'm, I'm sort of leaning into that curiosity, which is a massive value for me, you know, bringing curiosity in my life. So I think whoever's listening right now, just kind of think where you get your creativity from. You know, I mentioned jigsaws. Personally, it's not my not my bag. But if creating models or like you said your husband's doing little figurines for my daughter who's seven she can be really awful when she gets off the iPads because it's pretty much doing the opposite of creativity it's it's quashing all those brain waves that we should be you know encouraging but I say right let's get the play-doh out and, and we did this yesterday and I said right I'm cooking and I want you to make me a meal with your play-doh and straight away that like horrible tantrumy seven-year-old completely disappeared and all of a sudden she was like I'm making you a whole meal but I haven't got yellow for the chips so you're having green chips and I was like (laughs) what are they made out of and all of a sudden she created this whole meal in different colors and looking different and that was that was the end of the the tantrum that she was having so yeah I just think this is a really important conversation So I hope that many people who are listening now just kind of gives them that space to acknowledge and to to recognise where creativity is missing or perhaps to kind of celebrate and congratulate themselves for embracing creativity in their life and recognising actually how helpful it is being and what it's contributing to their life. So I guess it's kind of like a bit of a a double-edged way of, of bringing creativity in. Can I ask, what kind of people do you help? Like who comes to you and what options do you have to help people? Sure. So there's sort of two different um, levels, I would say. So some clients I help, they're already working in the creative industry. So they might already be an actor, performer, DJ, writer, whatever. And they've sort of hit a plateau in their career and they're ready to go to the next level. So we'll definitely work on things like mindset and confidence and plan and, you know, just kind of really up-leveling. And I love that work, absolutely love it, because I'm so passionate about the work that creative people do and the gift that they bring to the world and how much we all benefit from, you know, creative people sharing their talents. But what I also absolutely love doing is helping people who maybe have not gone down the creative path as we've said, it may have been something that was a very big part of their lives when they were children or up to you know their teenage years. And then adulting took over and, and life just kind of took them in a different direction. And they ended up doing something that would not really be classified as creative in any way, shape or form. So as an example, you know, accountancy, although, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of accountants that say there's lots of creativity that goes into that. But sort of helping people reconnect to that side of themselves And also, I think giving themselves permission, and this is something that I've definitely seen with mums in particular, giving themselves permission to take the time to be creative um, and recognising that it only has to be 15 minutes in the day, 15, 20 minutes, half an hour if you can manage it. 
just getting yourself into that sort of creative space, that meditative space, that calm space, and sort of recognizing where they can chisel out the time. Because people will often say to me, but Jude, I don't have the time. And the thing is, you never have the time and you always have the time. Like it kind of, (laughs) it works like that. So I say to people, it's a case of taking a chisel. It's a case of taking a chisel and literally carving out some time in your day that may not exist, but recognizing this is something that you want to prioritize. This is something that's going to become really important for you. And building the habit really slowly. So building that creativity habit. So, you know, when I'm super, super busy and literally don't have time to sit down and spend an hour on my script, I'll just get my coloring books out. You know, I absolutely love doing coloring books because I don't have to worry about what I'm drawing. It's already there drawn for me. And it's just a case of like me taking the colors and just, you know, getting very, very focused, shutting out all the noise and just being with color. So I think possibly the more rewarding work for me is is when people come to me and say, I used to love doing this as a child, or I've always thought that I would really love to do this. How do I integrate that into my life? in a way that's not necessarily going to involve massive risks or throwing in my job or, you know, kind of affecting the financial, my financial situation. I've got a family to take care of. And all of those things come into consideration. And again, going back to Liz, wonderful Liz, when she's coaching people, and if anyone has ever listened to her Magic Lessons podcast, which she uh, recorded after the book, she will never tell people to chuck in the job. You know, it's not necessary And she always says that I always found other ways to make money because I never wanted to put that pressure on my creativity. So it's about reconnecting with that part of yourself and just letting the bubbles, letting the ideas start to bubble, letting them start to fizz, starting to feel excited about what's possible for you. And then, as I said, you know, looking at the first humble step and allowing it to kind of take on its own momentum, because it really will when you've started. And that's what I see with clients all the time. It's like once they've got over the hurdle of, okay, I don't have to chuck in my job. I don't have to completely change my entire life. I can allow this to unfold in the way that it's going to unfold. And I can see where it takes me because it's an adventure. And that's something else I say to people is go on a creative adventure and just see where it takes you and see what you learn about yourself and see what you discover. And see how it it just enriches your life in so many marvelous ways. And like I said, even if it's just 15 minutes in a day, it can just make such a difference to your soul, your energy levels, your relationships, your parenting, your children, everything. So make the commitment, make the commitment, go on an adventure, explore, follow your breadcrumbs and see where your creativity will lead you. Oh, fantastic. And what you said just before is you could directly correlate your creativity like colouring to actually being productive because if you're struggling, especially with, you know, stumbling block in your life, work, you know, family, and you just can't quite get the answer, very often it's when we take ourselves out of that place. Absolutely. And we do something and all of a sudden the ideas pop in. So it's almost like the opposite if we think we shouldn't be doing something creative because we should be being more productive often we get the productivity and the answers and what we're looking for while we step away from from that and bring in something like coloring and or 
movement or dance or poetry I always feel that you, the answers just drop in. So you've they encouraged do. me now. Yeah. I'm I'm not going on my emails after this conversation. I'm going to go and do a little bit of writing. Love and so it. thank you for that because I was thinking, oh, we better go and like do my emails and just crack on with a few things. But I'm not. And I'm just going to go to my journal and I'm going to just do a little bit of writing and see what comes out because... I definitely needed this conversation and I think quite a lot of other people will as well. So Jude, thank you so much for for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure. And just tell people before we go how they can find you, what's your website and what social media? Yeah, so you can find me at my website is www.whathappensnext.coach. So you can see all the different things that I do uh, for people there. On f- I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. If you just sh- search for Jude Schwepp, you'll find me there. Jude, thank you so much. Absolutely my pleasure, Kate. I've loved talking to you. And I really hope people take that chisel and find that 15 minutes in their day to just embrace their creativity. So that's today's episode done. Did what we talk about resonate with you? I really hope you found some takeaways that may inspire you to make some small changes that enhance your daily life. And if you did find this episode insightful, please do consider sharing it. Knowledge and awareness is power, especially with ADHD. You can also head over to the show's Instagram page, which is ADHD Women's Wellbeing Pod, and join the community that's waiting for you there. And if this episode really did strike a chord, please do consider leaving us a review to enable more people who need to hear these conversations find the show. Thanks so much for joining me today and see you next time.